It's two things. Introducing Double Impact. Body wash, moisturizer, striped together. It's two products in one awesome product. It's twothings.com. Old Spice. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. And random banter is where the heart is. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me, tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. Well, Jeff, I am sitting at home because that is where my heart is, at home. And home. apparently so is our character. He's at home because that's where his heart is, too. His dark hawk heart is at home. It's true. It's true. So many people are at home. So many, so many people are at home. So many unexpected people are at home. Everybody's gone home. Actually, speaking of home, I have spent the last a week or so at home because I got the COVID, which was so much fun. And it is as bad as everybody says. It's like getting hit with a cold being delivered by a dump truck. That's terrible. Yeah. yeah. So for two and a half days, I found that the only thing I had the energy for was watching documentaries. That's a that thing was- to do. That was it. That's, that's um, your that's your go-to uh, sick vids? It's what I could put on and just run through, and I didn't have to, like, try to think of something else to watch. That's kind of like, I watched a lot of Forged in Fire. I watched an entire <laughs> season of Forged in Fire, and it was perfect because it is structured. I know exactly what's going to happen. You want to build a knife. I get to watch people make a knife. I get to watch people swing a knife. That is what my brain wanted at that point. Perfect. But, Once I got through all of that, I was able to get the all clear, you are good to go, your COVID is all over, you're free to leave the home. And while my wife was now sick with COVID, my daughter never was. And so her and I went and saw the new Thor movie, Love and Thunder. Mm, How was that? It's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's not a great movie. It's not fabulous. It's it's a good, solid movie. It, okay. it finally shows us the romance between Jane Foster and Thor that we've kind of all wanted. I think they treated... The Mighty Thor, Jane Foster's character, really, really well. I liked her progression that went through the film. I think there's a lot of jokes in there that are funny to somebody. And there's a point in time in the movie where I was like, these jokes aren't funny to me, and I kind of wish they'd stop. Uh, But but I think overall it was good. My daughter and I had a very pleasant time. It was quite enjoyable. We enjoyed watching the movie. And, you know, it's a good diversion for a couple hours. I'm all on board with that. So it, it's on my list. I want to see yeah. it. I will catch it at some point on the old D plus. So it's good. I'm glad I saw it. Yeah, that that's what I have been up to. That has been my trials that I have been successfully battling down and, and being able to see some good, good comic book content. That's good. Oh, but I was very sad though to see uh, Love and Thunder. Even though there was a lot of rainbows, there was no Julie. Ah, uh, that's sadness. One of these days, she'll slide into a Thor movie. Lot of kids, no power pack. Oh, we're getting closer. There's kids involved. Yes. 
So Yeah. Well, you've been dealing with COVID and watching Marvel movies. I've been dealing with not COVID. I've been sick for like two weeks with a cold from a summer cold that just won't get away. So it's in the whole house and we've all felt like garbage and taken multiple COVID tests and just, we just feel like junk. We're getting better, but we still feel terrible. So it's a, we're hitting that stage where we're like, I don't think I'm as sick as I was. Ugh. Which is miserable. But so we've been dealing with illness as well. Not as serious as yours. I did watch Doctor Strange 2 and the Multiverse of Madness. Did you like it? Uh, yes. It was a lot happened without much happening. It was yeah. enjoyable, but very fluff. Yeah. The, the ending was very Sam Raimi. Oh, very Sam Raimi. Of course it was. <laughs> it had There was some Sam Raimi in there that was very Sam Raimi. So. There was a lot of Sam Raimi at the end of that. There was a lot of Sam Raimi. I did like the, the end end. Yeah, the and then that was good. That was good. It was fun. It was. I think I'd heard people complaining about that. I was fairly spoiler free going into it, so which was nice. But yeah, I heard people complain about like, what does the end end mean? I'm like, it's a joke. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's saying it's the end of the movie. Done. <laughs> I I don't need this. Yeah, I don't know what you guys want from me. All right. Yep. Oh, one other thing too. Sorry, I got it. I just oh, have to interject. Yep. Um, I got my house painted. Yeah. Since, since our last recording, and now I got my house painted. Yeah, that's good. Ours has not gone on. We still have the delay on the remodel. We had <laughs> we had electricians come in, do some work, and then there was a change that happened, and then the electricians left, and nobody's come back for a little while. So I'm sure that's going to start up again well, probably here in about a week. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, I, I hate to say it, but they met you, and they said, you know what? We don't like them very much, so we're not going to come back. They said, you know what? We are fans <laughs> of movie muck about, and... Yeah, Rick Rick said some things, and we, we found out why. Speaking of which, I've been listening to your <laughs> podcast and been enjoying that. Learned oh. a lot about how to paint in your wagon. Yeah, and the yeah. way the the way the West was lost. You, you also need to catch up on action film face-offs. Listen to that uh, one too. Oh, you did. I, I you listened, did. Yeah. Mo- how most did you stuff, like the ending? How did you like the ending of that one? That was fantastic. I actually thought about uh, typing in <laughs> on that and just going, "Oh yeah, hey, actually, don't worry. Yeah. Oh, what was that explosion in the background? Oh, don't worry. This was uh, recorded pre-Rick getting his cataracts fixed, so he had actually <laughs> kidnapped Mannequin Lawyer with a Jeff mask on it. So <laughs> Jeff did not blow up. We were having a lot of fun on that one. And, and that was an audible call that we did on there, a little behind the scenes, I guess. I might cut this bit out, but that was a little bit of an audible that we did there. Of, of like, it was fun. Hey, I like that. Hey, a why lot. don't you go ahead and put just a random place in there where, where, the, where there's an explosion? And he goes, Oh, I'll do that. I did. I like the background explosion. That was pretty sweet. I was a fan. It was really fun. All right. Enough of this. We're, we're way off topic. We have mm-hmm. to talk about this book. I am sorry. I am. We are going to have to talk about this book. Jeff, can you please give us a two-sentence replay of last episode? I'll do a variation in which, in the holiday special, we see our remaining loners having a Christmas secret Santa gift exchange where the friends forgive former wrongs, feel feelings, and then go to a mall to work as mall Santas, elves, and reindeer for the kids. Now, on to what Darkhawk has been up to. Having registered with the government, Darkhawk was assigned to the position of security chief at Project Pegasus. During the Scroll invasion, he worked alongside his old teammate Nova against the Deviant Scrolls. Now that the Chris obviously gave the most judgmental gift as opposed to everyone else's gifts of understanding and reconciliation during the holiday special issue, two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? Hey, Jeff. Shh. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you hear that? Do you hear that? I think I hear my... Do you hear all of that noise? Do you hear all of that noise coming from this comic book? There's a lot of noise in this comic book. As these, There's a lot of fighting and noise. There is. Yeah. Check out the beer. What's in the bag? War of Kings, Darkhawk number one. 
Crux Fermentation Project Noisy Boy IPA. <laughs> that's fun. That's got nice, uh, that's even got comic book uh, old dot matrices kind of stuff on there on the printing. It's got explosion lightning bolts and it's purple and black and, and yellow. That's fun. Story time is that it's a limited release. Yeah, so if you're trying to go out there and find Noisy Boy, you might not be able to, because this is the latest West Coast IPA. It's a loud and proud symphonic wonder exploding with a complex chorus of hops and malts. Citrus, pine, and even candy notes are amplified to 11, thanks to the orchestrated efforts of Mosaic, Simcoe, and Citra hops, while the malt bill keeps rhythm with a rounded aroma and moderate bitterness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a Noisy Boy IPA from Crux Fermentation, and... We got a couple of noisy boys in here. Yes, we got we do. a couple of couple of noisy noisy boys. Yeah, Chris makes a lot of noise. Mr. Darkhawk is a noisy noisy boy. This het pours with quite a foamy head on it. Smells really good. It's sweet. Definitely smell the mosaic and citra hops. Yeah, it has a really nice nose on it. It is a little hazy, it's very bubbly. Yeah. I've got a couple inches of foam on the head that I poured, so let's try it from the can. It's not too bad. Mm-hmm. That is a no. very bubbly, effervescent. It's a sweet, citrusy IPA. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not getting a lot of the hops. I'm not getting a lot of the real bitter hop in there. Yeah. There's bitterness, but it's not the it's not the rusted metal taste of hops. So I'm no. I'm liking this. This is I think they've really done a good job of the hops taking or the malts taking over, really. Yeah. And and I think it comes together really well, especially on a nice hot day like we've got today. I think this is quite enjoyable. Yeah, it's been it's been toasty. I was uh, working outside filling up a couple of yard debris barrels with uh, yard waste stuff yesterday and got a little pink and a beer like this would have gone down very nice after that because I was a sweaty, sweaty boy. Well, I mean, I, this is kind of thing that you want to drink when you're yelling, screaming and throwing a lot of energy bolts at you and whoever else is around. Probably supervillains and also probably friends. We don't know. Darkhawk. We don't know. Well, we do know, but you don't know yet. Unless you've read the book, then you know. But, wow. I got spoilers. I did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a tasty beer. I like it. Uh, we're gonna see how that flies for the next hour. The only way we can get through the next hour is if we get through the opening credits. So Jeff, if you please, War of Kings, Dark Hawk Number One, April two thousand and nine, Haunted. Credits: Writer C. B. Sabolski. Pencils: Harvey Tillaboa and Bong Dazzo. Inker: Harvey Tillaboa and Joe Pimentel. Colorist: J. David Ramos and Rain Burrito. Letterer, VCs Corey Petit. Assistant Editor, Michael Horowitz. Editor, Bill Roseman. Editor-in-Chief, Joe Casada. Publisher, Dan Buckley. Featuring Darkhawk, our buddy Chris Powell. And Talon, a new guy. We'll get to him. Guest starring Mickey, Darkhawk's family, and the rest of the loners. And that's about it. Okay. Here's the situation. You are a young man with guilt over your past decisions, but you are trying to clean up your life. You found power, became a superhero, became disillusioned with it as you struggled to control your power, but now you are back. You are in charge. You are on the right path. You have a new job, and... You are running late to work. Darn it, Chris. Pull it together, man. This ain't the 90s anymore. Hey, look at his room. He has a 10 mile per hour speed limit sign. I think we need to give the fella a break. The cool thing about living at home if there is one, is mom making you breakfast as you are booking out the door. But that also means that you have to abide by her rules, like breakfast before work, be nice to your siblings, and no superhero fighting in the front yard. But mom, 
Franklin and Richard's parents have their home blown up all the time. Then maybe you should go live with them. Maybe I will. The other annoying part about the domestic domicile is that you have to give mom a kiss goodbye and turn into your alter ego in front of your young, annoying siblings. Does he have to? Actually, he does, and the last part is pretty cool. I mean, showing off in front of your brothers, ensuring that you will always be the coolest big brother ever? Let me guess. Your mom bought your brother a dog, and you got a one-legged chicken as a pet. Listen, Rick. Sir Hops a lot was special, and he loved me. I think we should move on now. Chris does his mental cry of, Hawk on! And heads to work, basking in the delight of flying through the air. It seems like he is in a better place, in more mental equal balance with armor, instead of fighting it and raging all the time against that machine. Life is good with the machine suit, his head, and his family. He has a good job at Project Pegasus as the security chief. Hm. Life is good for Chris. Re, re, re! <laughs> For a second, I forgot that comics are here to bring the drama and crush the dreams. Why are there alarms going off at the location where our boy is the security chief? Well, it seems that the recent attack from the scrolls left the location riddled with booby traps. Some they are still finding. And one that they just found went off and took out a containment grid for a couple of seconds. Aw, oh, man! There's going to be ghosts all over New York. Thanks a lot, Walter Peck. Less on the ghosts, more on the supervillains like the UFOs, X-Ray, and... Boom! Vector. You know, this is why Project Pegasus can't have nice things. Well, Darkhawk, it's time to earn your paycheck. To set the stage, Vector has limited yet powerful telekinetic power that he uses to accelerate objects or force from his body. He uses this to fly and cause some pretty extreme damage. And we know Darkhawk is not a slouch, so the pair of powered-up people proceed to pummeling and pontificating about personal prowess. Words and blows are exchanged, but Vector is motivated to not be imprisoned again. He also says that he is tired of being underestimated all the time and that he knows the secret source of Darkhawk's power. So he reaches out and starts to pry the crystal out of Darkhawk's chest. The tomb! This causes Chris to instinctively rage out and unleash some insane eye force bolts against the villain, frying the guy and sending him tumbling to the ground. Chris was not trying to kill the bad guy, but it sure looks like that's what happened. He thought he had this under control, but he lost that control. Again. His co-worker, Dr. Hecker, approaches Chris, but the armor and Chris are still hopped up on two liters of Mountain Dew's Code Red. Smack! So she takes a wing to her body. Well, now Chris is really anxious. Sure, he went overboard with a prisoner, but now he just took out a friend. This is too much. So, he runs away, angrily berating his suit. Bad suit! Bad suit! You're going to stand in the corner and think about what you've done. Later at the Holy Trinity Catholic Church in Manhattan. The fighting new home of the loner support group. Now you may be thinking to yourself, well there, Jeff and Rick. The loners were a California-based support group that was trying to get away from their teenage hero lifestyles. This must be a new branch or a different group of people, right? Well, you would be wrong. Thanks for thinking of us in your thoughts. That makes us feel good. Also, we find Mickey Musashi leading the group with her introduction of being a former superhero. Hi, Mickey. And we have the rest of what was left of the team. Johnny, Naomi, and our girl Julie, as well as about three other individuals who are not introduced and, therefore, not important. Harsh. This is a self-help group where all voices are important, whether they are heard or not. Then they should have worn name tags if they wanted me to feel that they were important to the story. 
let's focus on Mickey's speech. It seems that she has reestablished this support group after moving back to New York and recognizes that there were mistakes and betrayals that led to their group's failure in L.A. You think? Your co-leader had a psychotic break and tried to force you to love him around the same time that he stole a powerful suit of alien armor and then fought his friends with it. Like we said, betrayals and mistakes. But they're going to try again, once more with feeling, and with honesty, and possibly with songs. She even obliquely mentions how hard it is to care for someone that changes before your eyes. And you can't help but wonder if it's somehow your fault. Cue the swell of dramatic music and enter Chris. Hi, Hi Chris. Chris. And then it gets awkward. Johnny hops up and tells Chris to leave. I guess we can assume that when Chris went all superhero again and broke Mickey's heart, Johnny and the rest took a side, and that side was hers. The breaking up is always harder on the children. Chris does not want to fight, but Mickey has to have her say, and she is saying it. Chris tells her that he needs her help. He lost control, and someone got hurt. Mickey is angry, but she also sees that Chris is in pain, so she stops and hugs him. Chris pushes away and tells her the story. Mickey tells him that she is always here for him. Well, that is quite the flip-floppy scene. I know, right? Let's follow it up with some more couple time as Chris and Mickey walk and talk around the town. Over the course of a stroll, a dinner, a stop at a late-hours coffee shop, and a ride on the subway, the two reconnect with much hand-holding, and Chris informs Mickey about his work with Pegasus. She wants to know why Chris won't have his employer take a look at his lucky rock to help with his problems. But Chris wants to be an employee. Not an experiment. No, of course not. He wants to force others to be experimented upon. Well, he wants to do that because they are emotionally out of control. Immensely powerful people that can cause massive harm that need help. So, I'd like to segue away from this tract of thought and move on if that's possible, Judge. Motion sustained. Mickey really pushes the fact that he cannot do this on his own. He needs professional mental help and some serious science help in figuring out his powers and his head. It really is a nice moment for them. And as they are standing in front of Chris's house, the old feelings really start to warm up between the two. If you smoochy smooch know what I mean. Actually, I do know what you mean. But also, it looks like his crystal is getting hot and bothered too. I mean, it is heating up. Big time. Burning hot. Hot hot. Jalapeno hot. Sun in my chest hot. Sun falling from the sky hot. Shree. Broom. My backyard is on fire because something fell from space hot. That's pretty hot. So's Hansel. Hansel. So hot right now. Hansel. Chris and Mickey run to his backyard to find... Another Darkhawk lying in a crater. Huh. The weather girls warned me this might happen tonight, but I really didn't believe it. That said, I wouldn't have known how to dress for that kind of weather anyway. Chris is confused. So am I. He was under the impression that he was special, that he had the last advanced ancient alien artifact amulet of anger and aggression amplification armor. But here is someone else in Darkhawk armor sporting another crystal. I know, right? If they just hand these things out, it cheapens it for the rest of us. Unsurprisingly, Chris's mom and his brothers come out to see what all the noise is, but Chris directs them back inside with orders to call his employer and to get help. Meanwhile, this new Darkhawk has been talking and informs Designate Powell that he is here to save Chris. Chris is doubtful that this stranger can help with anything, but then the newcomer activates Chris's crystal, causing his Darkhawk armor to activate. Before Chris can get any answers, 
another meteor streaks across the sky and lands directly on the house. You know, the one where Chris's family is? Zoom! That is a big explosion. To be continued! Hey, Jeff. Hey, Rick. You know what's on the front of this cover? Darkhawk. Yeah, because it's War of Kings Darkhawk. And this is done by Brandon C. Peterson. And it's this red, sparkly, angry space scene with like a nebula in the background there. And Chris has got his wings all out. I mean, the Darkhawk suit's got its wings all out. And he's just all there in his glory. It's uh, it's good. I like it. It's it's not bad. It's very aggressive. It's very interface. It's kind of that mid two thousand, mid late two thousands realistic kind of thing. A little bit metallic looking. You got some reflections going on here on the suit. It's good, and it tells you that this issue is about Darkhawk. Very much so. It's a great looking Darkhawk that they have here, and the angry space nebula in the background looks cool too. And it has enough kind of shape to it where you're like, is there something in there? Is there a hidden evil Darkhawk or alien or Cayman Rider or something? But, yeah, it, it just looks good. It's a picture of Darkhawk flying in space. And it's nice. Yeah, it's nice. I, I think Brandon C. Peterson, he does very nice work. I think that it's it's a striking cover. Yeah. If you like Darkhawk, you want this issue. Yes, you yeah. do. Because it's a number one. Well, they don't really announce that. It's one of two at the bottom here. So, you, you, you know you're on a limited scurry here. You know? Yeah. We are invested in these two issues here. Issues one and two. We're going to get to the second one next week. Our next episode but we've got Chris as a solo character here. This is all about Chris, all about Darkhawk all the time. How, I mean, he has not been one of our favorite characters in The Loners, but now we are just faced with him and we get to spend some more time with him. How you feeling? Uh, it, it's it's a comic book character. He's fine. Darkhawk as a solo character, it's fine. You can literally take almost anybody and put him into the solo character arc. Especially, it's a two-issue run. You could do a story with just about anybody. You could have a, an awesome two-issue two Frogman storyline if you really wanted to. It works. It's showing where he's advanced to. It's interesting to see that it's like, oh, he's working for Project Pegasus, and he's doing this, and he's got his life in order, and he's back home, and connecting with his family, and no more secrets, and stuff like that. So, it works. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with the uh, other half of this. I've got the actual issue. I know you you read yours in Marvel Limited. In the actual issue, it is a thicker size book, and for three ninety nine, you got not only the first issue of this War of Kings Darkhawk, but you also in the back of the book get a reprint of Darkhawk number one from the nineties. Hmm. And this is the original story that was done by Danny Fingroth and Mike Manley as the artist, Joe Rosen the letterer. It's kind of nice. I've, I've got the actual issue. I remember when Darkhawk came out, I did purchase uh, up to a certain number of the run. But I, I remember getting this and reading this at the time. And it's kind of nice to go back in time and see this family with the two kids, the mom. We see the death of Chris's dad as he was a police officer that got shot. And it kind of all builds up into where he's at now. So it's a nice – it helps – balance out this book because we get where Darkhawk's at now. He, throughout the story, he's talking about some of the things that, where he's ended up here, kind of reflecting back on his dad a little bit. But it's nice to have that added in here, especially for somebody who's coming in, may not know that much about Darkhawk. So I thought it was, it's kind of nice in this book having that in here. I feel like I picked up some of the initial run of Darkhawk as well. 
But my recollection of it is, I think I remember a cover mm-hmm. of the storyline, and that's about it. Other than, you know, I, I know more stuff about them now because of, you know, research and stuff like that and reading other things. But from that initial run, it is very much like, I think I remembered the cover of the first issue, and that's about it. There's always an attempt by Marvel Comics to, every decade or so, trying to introduce a new Peter Parker type character. Yes. And I think that this is one of those attempts. I think at the same time, there was about three or four other characters that they were trying to test the water with, see who would come out on top. But Darkhawk was one of those characters. And I think Chris Powell works, they're trying to recapture the magic in the ball. I think he works to a point, but sometimes you just, you can't try to force it too much. No, and they kind of do. And the way that his characterization has changed in this makes sense. Because mm-hmm. he's talking about, like, I think he's, he even talks about, like, he's gone to therapy. You know, he's, like, he's jo- trying to joke more. He's trying to be a little more lighthearted. He's kind of getting his stuff in order. He's, like, no more secrets of the family. I've got a, a an actual real job of serious nature. So his character development makes sense. I don't know how greatly it was done. Because it's yeah. still, it's kind of chunky. And, again, Chris is not the most likable person. So that's a, that's going to be a big problem for him as a solo anyway. And even as a solo, they introduced a whole bunch of other characters. So, well, yes and no. I I think really they only, when it comes down to it, they only have one character of any importance that they introduced by the end of this. And that's Talon. I was also thinking Dr. Necker. So let me, let me rephrase it. They reintroduced a a bunch of characters and then kind of started introducing some new ones like mom and and his brothers and. I think most of like the loners and and Dr. Hecker, I think a lot of that is just tying up those loose ends from what happened before. We haven't been following Darkhawk directly. We haven't seen how he got to Project Pegasus and all the other things. This is helping to trim a bit of that as he goes into this new era with War of Kings and what's going to go on with this little this series and the rest of the world of Kings, which we're not going to cover. We're only covering these two issues because they we're only following Julie at this point in time. Which is going to be fun. This is going to be an experiment now for us and for all of our listeners as we are going to read random comic books that we are jumping in the middle of story arcs that our characters, the Power Pack characters, are just kind of dipping their toes in. So we're not going to get too involved in all the background storylines. We'll try to catch up where we can. But this is going to be kind of a fun experiment to see how well we do with this. Speaking of the loners, though, Mm -hmm. what do we think about moving all of the loners back to New York? (laughs) It makes zero sense. Because I am under the assumption that it's not like all of the loners picked up from New York at the same time and said, we're moving to L.A. and then joined up there. It really seemed like each character individually was plucked from their New York roots, wound up in L.A., and then found each other because of the support group. Yeah. So... Just because Chris moves back to New York, why would everybody else? It makes no sense at all to me. Yes, it does. It makes perfect sense. Plot convenience. Mm, Are you saying because the story dictates an action of characters that otherwise makes no sense? Yep. That's about right. That is literally (laughs) the only reason why. Otherwise, it could have been. The group... You know what? Honestly, Chris in his armor... I think he can travel in space and stuff. He could probably get over to L.A. fairly quickly. They could yeah. have left the loners in L.A. in their yeah. their new support group digs and just shown him fly over. Or he just yeah. said, I'm flying over there. And he flies in and lands. They go, L.A. And it's like, Chris, what are you doing in L.A.? 
But moving everybody back to New York makes no sense. I can understand it in some part. Julie could have moved back because she was like, you know what, LA, I'm not going to be Hollywood Julie. I'm going to go back with my family. That makes sense. Going back to the first one, we could have even somehow explained it that Chris is saying, please, can you come back to New York with me Mm -hmm. and help me figure this out? And Mickey says, you know what? Yes, I will put on my armor and follow you over there just so I can we can help you out with in New York while you're figuring this out. Something like that would even work if you wanted to do it or just I, I, oh, you know, you need to literally, have Mickey there. Darkhawk Mickey and Julie all could get back to New York in sure. a pretty quick minute and they yeah. could have dragged some people with them if they wanted to. So, yeah, sure. I'm right there with you. I don't entirely agree with how they're there. I think it's just another one of those things that they wanted to trim this up. Yeah. I'm actually wondering if they just didn't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> like they were, they were like, oh yeah, the loners in their group. And no, they do the no, no. Work. I'll take that back. But because this is CB Sobolski still. Yeah, he so knows, he should. He yeah, knows he where these the characters are. Yeah. He and and he even says it in the book. He says that they've kind of matriculated back here. It I've it's a plot convenience thing that it just is. doesn't quite No, it makes zero sense, but That being said, if I can just find whatever they're there, if I can move past that, and we're going to have to because whatever. Chris and Mickey, this story about them reconnecting, I'm still finding it compelling. I kind of like it. I think that we have seen that they had a good relationship. They had, well, not a good no, relationship. They had, they had a relationship. relationship. Whether or not it's good or not, I mean, they're the only ones that really can tell that. From yeah. the outside, it looked bad. But they had a relationship. It ended badly. They were trying to fix it. Chris made a choice. Mickey wasn't comfortable with it. But Chris still loves her enough and needs her help to make this go forward. Yeah, it's... I could see them meshing back together, but... The reintroduction of them was so clunky, clunk, flip, flop, because it's Chris shows up and they're immediately just like, what are you doing here? Johnny jumps up and it's like, Chris, you need to turn around and leave right now. And Mickey is all like, you know, he's like, Crystal, I had to come back. Why did you have to come back? Did you need to come back and gloat, shove it in our faces, show how better you are because you abandoned us and jump back into your armor. I need help. Oh, come here. Big hug. We should kiss. You want to go out to dinner and I, we can make out? No, we shouldn't make out, but we could later, maybe, if things go good. It was such weird dissonance tonally. Jeff, who hurt you in the past where you can't, you just don't accept romance? I look in a mirror daily and see that person. Okay! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just... I can accept I, romance. I, it just, it was so clunky, clunk, clunk, because it was, it went from like, I don't like anger to come here, you give me a hug. Personally, I will accept it myself because I want to think the best of Mickey. I think she's got every reason to be angry at him. But when he comes and says, I need help, you still are going to bring them back in. We will deal with whether I trust you later on, but you need help now. I'm still going to, I'm not going to turn my back on you. Well, no, I'm good with that. I like Mickey. I like Mickey as a character quite a little bit. I think they do her dirty a little bit in the more recent stuff. But her setting aside her anger and accepting Chris to help him, fully on board with. But flop sweat over into romantic interlude, hand-holding, getting ready to kiss. All the stuff was like the dreamy eyes at each other. It's like, you need to slow down a little bit in that. I understand it's two-issue arc. She is probably going to be in the next one. So there can be a some advancement. It just seems like it's such an accelerated timeline on them to on the two of them reconnecting overall story. 
Do you like it? Uh, yeah, it's fine. It, it's okay. It's a thing. It's neat to see that Chris has... Okay, also, I don't understand because Johnny being upset with him for, like, getting the costume back on. Because I'm still pretty sure that, like, kind of at the end of Loners, it seemed like they were going into the, yeah, we should costume up and do stuff. And then at the holiday special, it was kind of like, the okay, we're actually totally off the wagon again. It So, it, the, again, there's a big dissonance on that. I wish that we had a little bit better... if if. C.B. Sabalsi is going to bring his little team, the loners, in here. I wish we would have had a little bit better. We'd have more meat there or, or mm-hmm. something that makes a little more sense from where he left the kids off. It's true. Yeah, because it, it just seems like he kind of, he's like, okay, I've got to resolve this storyline. Clunk, they're going to be, okay, they're going to move on to this way. Oh, I'm coming back for a little bit. Clunk, they're actually over here. And the characters are all over here now. Oh, next little interlude. Clunk. One character is this and the rest are that. It's, it's clunk, clunk, clunk. It's just, it's, I'm trying, I'm trying to lock on to something and I'm having difficulty. Can you lock on to the artwork? I can. Do you like the artwork? It's, I almost like it. I almost like it. There's, there's stuff that the person does good. They do really good. And then there's a lot of stuff. It's messy. I've got an upcoming thing where it's just like, I honestly didn't know that a character was Chris. I I can't remember where I read it or the entire quote with it, but there is, and I'm not an artist either, but there is something that somebody wrote saying, if you're drawing a scene, if you're drawing a lot of scenes and you're not seeing the full characters or you're you're not seeing the whole scene, you're only doing close-ups you're doing nothing but close-ups there's something wrong with your art that you're doing okay you need to spread it out more close-ups are good for when they're used well but this is some this is a book that's nothing but close-ups and it took me a while to realize that that was the problem that i was having with it there is a sense that i had when reading it and it's that everything is very cramped Yes. And it's that close-upness aspect. Even when they're doing a wide scene, like when they went over, you know, to the loners, the support group mm-hmm. thing. It's a, it's a group shot, but it's it's oppressively tight. Yeah. Yeah, it's there's a lot of kind of corners cut out. It's like an aspect ratio is off on a movie that you're familiar with. Yeah. And and that's I think the problem that I've got with this artwork. I think it's good and I think that if it was if we could zoom out a bit and see it from a distance. It might be a bit better. Mm-hmm. A lot more enjoyable. So I, I think that it's just really up close and it's, I, you get anxious just, just looking at it. It's, it's a lot. It's, it's very extreme. Uh, there's the, in the art section, I, w- I didn't put it in here, but I'm going to honorable mention a thing and it is directly in relation to the art. There's another one too where I was just like, why is Chris's foot look so weird? But so there's, <laughs> there, there is little, it's like each page kind of has just a weird offness to each thing. But yeah, that cramped close-upness is unsettling. Well, let's go ahead and get into those final thoughts then. Let's go ahead and get into the gallery of greatness and talk about this art in this book and which art needs to be pinned up on the walls of the church because apparently they're in another church. So we can go ahead and pin it up there, I guess. <laughs> we'll see what happens. My funny backup one that I've got is on page three. And... I call it no bread for you. And this is where Chris is about to eat and he's got the toast or whatever in his mouth and his mom comes up and just yoink, takes it right out of his mouth. Nope, you don't get this bread. You don't get the bread. You don't deserve no bread. No bread for you. <laughs> no bread for no you. No bread for you. <laughs> Again, and this is the, that unsettling, way too close in artwork on the stuff with just the picture yeah. of mom and everything. Here's another problem that I had with, had with the art is that the mom is a redheaded lady. Dr. Necker is a redheaded lady and they kind of look identical and it's quasi confusing that way. So there's a lot of characters that look like other characters, which isn't a good, 
look when no. you're trying to figure out who somebody is. <laughs> no, 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 no. What about you? What's your backup one? My joke backup one is on Marvel Unlimited, page 12, and I call it, Why is the gang all here? <laughs> and this is the support group. They've gotten together, and it shows everybody all together, and you look, and you go, oh, okay, yeah, that's Mickey. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, hey, there's Namie. Yeah, and Johnny, and Julie, and some other people that we don't know who are totally not interested in nope, not doing all. what's going on in their support group, and they're in Manhattan. Why is the group all here? Why is the gang all together in Manhattan? This makes no sense. Well, we have beat that. Yeah. We have beat that to death. And here's here's the thing. I have the same one for my top mm, mm-hmm. funny one, but I call it, can you try not to look bored? <laughs> yeah, because, uh, yeah, there's a guy that's on his phone or his Zoom yeah, or Mickey's, something. Mickey's talking and every single person looks bored off yep. of their gourd. Yep. You guys are in a support group. Try. Come yeah. on, give, give an ounce. All right? That's yeah. all we're asking. Give anything. Yeah, it does. It is such disinterest. So much disinterest here. It's, it's just, yeah, it's it's like, oh, Mickey, maybe you should give up on hope and just cut, <laughs> cut your losses on the group. What about you? What's your top funny one? My top joke one is on the very next page, page 13 of Marvel Unlimited. And I call it, I swear I thought this was Phil Urich. <laughs> it's it's I did I it's the introduction of Chris going back to the support group but you know you got you had Mickey talking to the support group and going you know I, it's hard when someone you think you know changes right in front of your eyes oh like Phil you, you know until you barely recognize them like Phil can't help but wonder if somehow it's your fault like Phil you know and then the person came in and says it it wasn't your fault. And it's like, it was mine. It was like, oh, is that Phil? Because it's somebody with disheveled hair yeah. with a generic white person, nondescript face and kind of the heavy overcoat that Phil was wearing when he, when we last saw him. And I swear, I thought it was Phil Yurik. I'm like, oh, might as well introduce Phil again. I wonder if uh, Hollow's going to be coming with him. Just bring Maddie back as well. But I swear, I thought it was Phil Yurik. And then when they start talking and it's just like, oh, it's Chris. Oh, that makes sense. He went there for help. Yeah. Did not put that together at the second that I read that. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to go to the best artwork in here. And my backup one is actually the last panel, and I call it Boom. There's oh, a lot of good mm-hmm. fights and stuff in here. I went with the last panel. It's the explosion of the house. At first, I thought, this is very messy. This is very... I just don't get it. But then the more I looked at it, and you can see a lot of detail if you really focus in on it. Yes, and I there thought, is a lot going on. It's, again, there's a claustrophobic, lot going on there. cramped, messy. But this is where it would be useful. Yes. This is where it should be done. Unfortunately, I've, the problem is you get through the entire book, you're like, oh, it's one more thing. I wish that this was where they used this style, and it would have been sold it very well. Yeah, the style could have worked well in situations, but I think it was accidental the way they did it. Yeah. What about you? What What do you have for some good art? My top backup one is on page eight, and I call it Fight, Fight, Fight. <laughs> That's my top best one. Hey, nice. <laughs> this is a Dark Hawk and Vector fighting over the Pegasus Labs prison research facility, mm-hmm. whatever it is. It just looks really cool because it's the introduction of Vector and he looks really pretty sweet. And Darkhawk tends to look pretty good too. And it's a close-up kind of fighty thing and it looks nice. So, yeah. And and I called it Fight, Fight, Fight too. And, and that's, really? Yeah. Hey, yeah. check it out. No, it's, it's very good. It's a medium shot. It's not a close-up shot. It's a medium shot. This is actually one of the better drawings that he has in his panel where he's not right on top of the person, yep. but, but he's actually 
about right. It's still a little cramped feeling. There's elbows cramped. and legs and stuff cut off, but it, yeah, it, it's a better shot than normal. It seems like a lot of this was the person did a full drawing and then they said, oh, we need to fit it to space and they had to cut it down on a lot of Something. the things. I don't know I don't what's know. going on, but yeah. What about you? What's your top one? My top one is on page 19 and I call it Dark Hawk Down. Dark Hawk Down! And that Man was the, the introduction of the as of yet unnamed Talon Dark Hawk character. And yes. uh, yeah, so it's Dark Hawk, you know, a Dark Hawk armor splayed out on the ground. It looks good. When they draw Dark yeah. Hawk, it looks really great. And, and with Talon, it's a Sort of Darkhawk. There is definite differences than the suit that we are used to, and it's kind of fun. We get to do alterations on the mm-hmm. suit now. Well, it, you know, Chris's suit changes around all the time anyway, yes. so it it could totally be a Chris suit. It could it could be Phil Urich in his goblin armor or whatever. It doesn't matter. But it's a, you look at it, you go, that's a Darkhawk armor. Yes. But I now I want to go back to the joke one and do my honorable mention joke. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was curious, I didn't mention it because I wanted to see if you'd do it. It's on Marvel Unlimited page eighteen, and I call it Droopy Diapers, just because it's Chris and Mickey after they were about to make out, and they see uh, a meteor explode in his backyard, and they're running to the house, and it's focusing it's in good. on it's no, not it's very not good. good. It's focused in on the characters' posteriors, where they usually are really selling a money shot, and it looks like it looks like toddlers with dumpy diapers. You know, you're making fun of these characters, yeah. and I don't think that's very nice at all. Mm. In fact. I don't think it's very nice because that's rubber and glue kind of territory. And (laughs) let's go ahead and just dial into it right now. My backup one, actually, I'm going to go ahead and tell you my top and backup one because they flow into each other. And these are both on page six. Mm, Okay. So my top one is, hey, you fool, time to go to school. That's what Uh, Darkhawk says. Yep, you're looking at my, that's that's my backup stuff, yep. Yeah, that's my top top one. But that's followed up with my backup one where... Vector punches him, and Darkhawk says, See, this armor doesn't just break the knuckles of those stupid enough to punch me. It's also good at burning off unfortunate tattoos. Care to sample? So I like the one-two punch the Darkhawk mm-hmm. had here. You fool time to go to school, and then, hey, you're kind of stupid for punching this armor. So yeah. I, I like them both there. He's a lot more quippy in these than he is normally. So they really are trying to do kind of the Peter Parker Spider-Man thing with them. Yes. You had said it's pretty obvious there. That was my backup set. My top one is between Darkhawk and Dr. Necker when Chris shows up because, you know, there's an alarm going and people have escaped. Ah, smoke and now there's no smoke and fire, but there should be or there will be. And Darkhawk's all, hey, Dr. Necker, just another dull morning, I see. And her response is, you really need to work on that sense of humor, Chris. Uh (laughs) I like that just as a dig of like. You're not funny. And yeah. and it's not funny either because it's just like, wow, this is an out-of-place quip from <laughs> Mr. Dower Dark, but whatever. So I just, I liked it for her just like, y- you got to work on the humor. It's, you're trying and it's not there. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. Let's talk about popular and shunned. We want to identify who is the best and who is the worst in this issue. We always start off with the worst. I'm going to go ahead and say Julie. Oh, wow, because she didn't even say a single word? Exactly. Not even a hello from Julie, not even a recognition. She was bored, and that's all we got from her. So, Namie didn't do anything job. either. Yeah, I know, but I, I expect that from Namie. Okay, She's a robot. Right. Julie's not. Yeah. Okay, so, I get that. Yeah, so that was my choice. Okay. It's controversial. I will, I will take that, but it is my choice. How can you, you be have? so bold yet be so accurate? <laughs> My worst one was an unsurprising Darkhawk Chris Powell. 
Really? Yeah, it's just he, again, just continued to bother me. And especially when it's yeah, so out of character, blasted a Vector with an eye beam that knocked Vector out of the sky. Which I'm like, that's something Darkhawk does. But you know, it, that didn't matter to me. It was the fact that he then was like, yeah, don't, you know, when Dr. Necker comes up, it's like, hey, Chris, you okay? And he's like, don't take it, it's mine. And he smacks her. And then he's... I'm willing to actually give him a little bit of leeway here just because... He's upfront about he's been working with his suit and then his suit has gone bad again. Yeah, I get that. So I'm I'm kind of he's working on it and he's trying to confront it. And when he realizes what his suit's doing, he's like, I'm outie. So I I like that he's trying to take responsibility for what he's doing and he's trying to be proactive about it. And I gave him credit for that. I can give him credit for that, but you know, Mickey even says it later, it's just like you work at Project Pegasus, they specialize in alien yes. technology and stuff. You have people that could help you right there. Dr. Necker's like, why don't you let us check you out? And he's like, nope. Instead, I'm going to go back to my old support group that I really angered and and abandoned. And then I'm going to just start emotionally, ask for help, and then emotionally manipulate somebody who I'm like, I really need your help. Also, you want to make out? Jeff, you you emotionally manipulate me all the time. So I don't see exactly why this is any different. That's because I'm a mastermind, and it's the only way that I experience pleasure is pulling my little puppet strings. Fine. Okay. My (laughs) best character is Mickey, because Mickey, even though what you said, she does a flip-flop, flip-flop, she comes in and is a good friend. She is. we all need good friends like Mickey. So I am all on board the Mickey train here. Now, Mickey's a good choice. I like Mickey. Mickey was not my best choice, though. Who's your best? Mom. You got to go for mom. Mom's taking you back in. Mom is sharing house with you. Mom is giving you stability and accepting you for who you are. She wants to make sure you get your food in before you go to work. She wants to make sure that affection and love is shown. So she's like, give your mom a kiss before you go to work. My only problem with mom is she has unrealistic expectations. The number one being that she doesn't want a super villain or some crazy science stuff to blow up her house. And, you know, will that happen? happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. So, I mean, I think... That knocked her down in my book. Here's the other thing that was pretty much a giant fallacy. She was like, you move back home, but you never spend any time with us. We miss you. Oh, yeah, mom, I'm going to take day off. We'll totally hang out. Because that's what Haven't all kids want to do is hang out with their mom. Free room and board. I don't <laughs> want you harshing my vibe. Leave me alone here, mommy. I'm living on my own, mommy. Can I have breakfast? Also, love you much, but don't cramp my style. Also, could I have some money for lunch? <laughs> Are you going to make chicken pot pies for dinner, Dins? Mom, did you make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch again? All right. <laughs> Mom, I'm an adult. I don't need you. Did you cut the crust off my Sammy? And also, I don't have any socks. Could you wash my sockies? Thanks, Mommy. Now that we have absolutely infantilized <laughs> Chris Powell, let's talk about top grades. We want to evaluate each issue against the rest of the series. And we're not even doing series anymore. I don't know why you said that. It's just yeah, on the just script. I issues. should change that at some point in time. Well, there's issues, some series issues, in there. Issues. Yeah. So, top of the list, Uncanny X-Men, number 205. Not a problem. That's going to stay right yeah, there. Not moving. We're going to go down to number seven. We've got the loners, number one. This is where Maddie convinces Chris to hunt down drug makers. Good call. Mm-hmm. Now, on to spot number 11. We got Runaways Volume 2, number 2. Runaways hunt down Victor, and he discovers he has powers. Bob and list right now is The Loners, number 3, What Lies Beneath. That's where Julie's in the hospital, the worst hospital in the world, and everyone finds out nothing. Jeff, 
Where are you feeling this? Do you, do you like this more than the loners, or do you do you think that this is below any of the loner stuff we've read? I don't know. That Total Drama Hospital is pretty great. It's not the worst thing in the world, no. but it's definitely not the best. I I feel like I like the holiday special more than this. Yes, just definitely. because there was a lot of character things going on with that. Well, let's see. Runaways number one. The runaways are told by a, a Gert from the future to beware Victor. How are we thinking about that and this? Kind of comparable? You know what? I'm willing to split up. We've got Runaways 1 and Runaways 2 in spot 10 and 11. I think it would fit in between these two. Yeah, I could do that. Um, Actually, no, no. I want to go one below. I want to go one below. I think that the Runaways number 2 is better than this. Yeah, looking at the room. Yeah. The final issue of uh, Loners. <laughs> Phil leaves and everybody gets mad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that this one is better than that one. Yeah, I, that I was that, a yeah. rough end. That was a yeah. very rough end. Yeah, yeah, this is the new number 12. This is the new number 12. I think that's a good spot for it. That's a fine spot. All right. Fine and dandy spot. You know what else is fine and dandy, Rick? This beer, I think. This beer might be fine and dandy. Why don't we talk about it for a little bit? I have not really been drinking it too much as we've been going along. Funny thing, I only have a little bit left. I've been doing really good on this. I like this. You're getting a weird face. I'm not. Maybe my taste buds are still a little fried from the COVID time, but I am enjoying this a lot. I like the taste of it. It's not hitting me with a lot of the sourness of it. My glass is still cold. I think that might be a bit of it as well. I'm still getting a bit of cold brew in here. So as long as it doesn't get warm, I think that might be the hint. Noisy Boy IPA from Crux Fermentation. I think that this is a nice, this is a nice four for me. Okay. I want to like this more than I am. It is, <sighs> there is a sweetness. There is kind of yeah. an apple tartness. There's kind of a, yep. there's not a huge, really bad IPA aftertaste to it. It has things that I would promote, but there's things that really detract from it. And there is kind of like a sourness to it. It's like it's a, a rancid cider or something kind of flavor to me right now. It's so not it, hitting me as rancid, but I can, I can see where you're going. Yeah, it, it's something along those lines. It's. I will finish this beer. I will do that. I'm not loving it. So for me, I'm thinking more of a three for me. And it may be, it may be an ungenerous or generous three. I'm not really certain right now. But it's it's okay. It's it's fine. It's fine negative. I'm not sure. It's It's not doing it for me. We'll put you down for a three and call that good. Yeah, that'll work. And what else will work is Kid's Perspective. And that is where Rick and Carrie talk to each other about a comic book. So, Rick and Carrie, please take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. All right, we are here to talk about Dark Hawk number one, War of Kings. This is a different kind of book than you've seen, probably, right? Yeah. What were your first impressions of trying to read it? <laughs> Confused. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I was trying to keep track of everything, but when I went back to reread it, it was like, I still couldn't get it. It was like this giant tangle of words and explosions and stuff. It was like, (laughs) so he's talking to this person, and this person turns into another person, and then they fight and stuff, and then the same person is just the same person now? I don't get it. Okay, well, let's try to figure some of this out. It's it's Chris... It's Darkhawk. Yeah. It's him. And then 
a little bit near the end of the book, there's another guy that shows up that looks like him, and that's Talon. Right. During the beginning of the book, he's have he's got a job working in this place called Project Pegasus, and some people have broken out, and he gets in a fight with one of them, and he loses his temper because his suit starts to react weird again, right? Right, and it's not good to have an anger management problem when you have kind of really good and powerful powers, so... Yeah, Chris has got a little bit of a problem with that, still, to this day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, everyone in their group, except a few people, just management problems. What did you think about him living at home with his mom and his two brothers? What did you think about them? His mom looks actually like she could be younger than him. Almost. (laughs) (laughs) His brothers are brothers, and... (laughs) How would you know you don't have any brothers? (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure you even have any friends that have brothers, do you? Uh, it's Malcolm and Stuart. Well, yeah. I guess they do act a little bit like Malcolm and Stuart, don't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I actually don't know. <laughs> I, I haven't seen them, like, that much recently, Malcolm and Stuart. And, like, these kids in this book, like, they appear, like, a grand total of three times, yeah, so... true, true, true. What about the loners? The loners make a small little appearance in here. What did you think about them showing up? Mickey doesn't make a small appearance, but literally everyone else does. Yep, yeah. Pretty sad that Julie didn't even say hi. Yeah, she's just sitting there giving skeptical looks all around. (laughs) The only thing she does is, like, lounge in that chair. It must be so dull. She lounges uh, pretty hardcore in that chair, doesn't she? Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad I managed to see that. I mean, how sad would it have been if, like, I didn't see Julie lounging in a chair? Hey, now, hey, now. We said we're going to cover <laughs> all the appearances of Power Pack, and some of them are very, very small. <laughs> like a person lounging in a chair. Like a person lounging in a chair. All right. <laughs> what about the artwork? You said that the artwork was probably some of what confused you a little bit about this book? Maybe. Overall, did you like it? Not like it? Is it just too much? What? What's your thoughts? It was cool. It was okay. It was fine. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't the best either. How would you make it better? I don't know what triggered me or anything. It's just not the best. It's not, I don't know not why. the style that you like. No. That may be just me, though. You said it wasn't bad. It's just not your style, right? Yeah. Okay. That is a fair critique. What did you think of the cover of the book? It was actually kind of cool. I like the galaxy behind it, the red galaxy. That's pretty neat looking. Yeah. You know that there's going to be space stuff that's coming up, right? Kind of gives yeah. you a hint. Yeah. Yeah. Except it's the first book and it's supposed to be happening, like, what, the third? <laughs> the third out of two? Yeah. The three out of two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that, though, you liked it? Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to say about it? No. (laughs) All right. Then thank you very much for your time, Carrie. Uh, You're welcome. I love you. Love you, too. Yep. You read that, didn't you? Good job, Carrie. Shout out time. We like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. And this is for episode 111, where we talked with Chris Eliopoulos. Starting with Clinton Robeson and his podcast, Fan Film Fridays and Coffee and Comics. Cullen Stapleton and his podcast, The Worst Comic Podcast Ever. David Pardue. Dear Watchers. Your fiancé, Hillary. What, she commented or liked it? She liked it. That's a first. Awesome. Love you, honey. Also love, 
Hoover Jeremiah and his podcast, Four Million Years Later. Isaac Ike. Jeff Polier. Jeremy Daw. Matthew Birdsey. Mia Wallace. Michael Neertz. New Warriors Talk. Roger Preby. Tim Bryce, the podcrasher, in his podcast, The Outcasters. Waffles and his podcast, Waffles and Mario Talk About Things. We also have a plethora of wonderful people over on our Patreon page, and they give us money to do this show, including adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging cheesy and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Exciting, energetic, and entertaining Edward Verrochi. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Polier. Just jealous and jewel Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Rudely rhyming and running Rustin Fritcher. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Strange and stirringly steady Stephen Gray. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Technically terrific and triumphant Toddy Knock. Way, way wordy and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky wind. Now, next issue, we are going to cover War of Kings, Darkhawk number two. So if you are reading along at home, join us, won't you? Also, be sure to check out the other show that I do, my monthly Monday movie muckabout on the Longbox Crusade Network. It is pretty fun, if I do say so myself. I enjoy it as well. It is pretty fun. And it lets me hear more of Rick when he's not talking to me. So that's interesting, too. We also have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power Power Pack. Jeff Rick presents is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of a fully packed truck that's ready to go camping as soon as we're done recording in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick present, our email address, Jeff and Rick present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We love, love you. Until next time. Costumes, Costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s Action by Kevin McLeod. Also featured in this episode is Old Walls by Frank Schroeder. All music is located at incoptech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Okay, <clears throat> it's a burpee beer, too. Yes, it is. Boom! He has a good job at Project Pegasus as... Th he has a good job at Project Pez... Boom! Over the course of a scroll... <clears throat> not a scroll. Over the course of a scroll... You know, that's where how you really bond with people. Over a scroll. It could be a cow. Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's your dentist. But it could be a scroll. But that's really good bonding time.